What's up, everyone? We're here for Tuesday Locked On Bucks, and we have a bit to get through. A lot of people have been messaging me about Giannis about to create history in the Bucks franchise record book, so we're going to touch on that and also look at where Chris Middleton stands as he continues to climb all those franchise leaderboards as well. We're going to dive into third quarters a little bit more because we know it, watching it, the third quarter has been problematic, but the numbers are really ugly, so we're going to get into that. And then also, we'll look ahead to a big game with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me from the Bucks Radio Network, also from Locked on Bucks, it's Justin Garcia. Here, uh, second week straight, we've got another streak going, Justin, which is uh, which is great to see. And of course, we thank everyone for making Locked on Bucks their first listen of every weekday. We really appreciate it. If you're new to the show, as I said, Monday to Friday, you can listen to us ramble on about the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, if you're a long-time listener, whether it's on YouTube or the audio platform, we appreciate it. Hit subscribe if you haven't done so already. Justin, what is happening? Um, Man, what a week, huh? <laughs> that, uh, it was a fun one. If, yeah, and um, I – it was mostly uh, – I don't know if it was mostly hopeful, but um, what was it, two – no, more than that. Four years ago or something when uh, the Bucks, I want to say they went – 14 and two in March where it was just out of nowhere too, that they were toiling around 500. Uh, geez, it's already like five years ago. Cause that was, <laughs> uh, that was a kid prunty year. Um, and they just took off in March. We kept pointing to this March schedule of man. Well, it only gets tougher in the month of March. They got 14 games. Nine of them are on the road. It's, it's all really good teams. I think eight against at the start of the month, the top six teams, in basketball that I know there was a lot of concern, especially the way they went into the all-star break and directly came out of it. But I just got this sense and and we're a long way from being there, but I just got this sense of, you know, this team, we've all talked about it this year. They play better against good teams. They seem to get up for those opponents and they kind of did granted there weren't as many lows last year, but they kind of did something similar where the last, six weeks of the season is when they really started to take off and and play extremely well that I just felt like, you know, I I know it sounds crazy, but I I think they're going to win 10 or more games this month, three and oh, so far. So it's still a lot of work to be done. But if you were in that camp of, well, once the schedule picks up and we get closer to the playoffs, I I think they're going to turn it on so far. This is exactly what you were hoping for. So obviously we're keeping our eyes on the standing and, a lot of Bucks fans are also keeping their eyes on the record books when it comes to Giannis and the points that he has across the course of his career. So I had a number of people reach out and DM me about this, particularly our Greek friends that are really, really got their eyes on this one. I saw you tweeted about it 
as well, Justin, and it's really come quickly. And I guess this is what happens. If you're getting 29 points a game, the points start to add up pretty damn quickly. Giannis has had uh, one of the best scoring years of his career so far. Still a chance to get a scoring title. We'll see how that plays out over the last sort of 18, 19 games here. But he is around 300 points. I think it's 313 to be exact. Is that three? Uh, he needs 314 to pass Kareem. So yeah, he's 313 behind him. So if you do the simple math here, I believe that's around 11-ish games, 11, 12 games. So you know, pending health and pending the fact that he will play the majority of these games, which we do think that he probably will. I mean, I don't think he's going to play every game on the run home. There might be a situation where he has a night off or there's a bit of soreness. We'll see. But he's got some buffer room there. So you would expect that at current pace, he's going to pass Kareem, which, it, it, like I said, this has happened really quickly. But it's just yet another tick in the box. Uh, we've discussed previously what would he have to do to pass Kareem and what he did in Milwaukee. I think by the end of this year, depending on what happens with the, any other awards that he picks up, the fact that he'll be the franchise leading scorer, he's probably already done it. But this one has kind of snuck up on me how quickly he got there. I think it snuck up on all of us that we knew coming into the season, there was a little bit of chatter about it. Of Man, if he has an incredible year, it's going to be close, but he could. I think we all kind of thought, well, next year, early in the season, he'll move past Kareem as the franchise's is leading scorer. And then it was um, right around moving into the All-Star break where I don't even remember what I was looking at. And you saw more chatter about it elsewhere on, on Twitter, too, from people like, hey, look at this. But I was um, I remember I was on Basketball Reference, and I, I don't remember what I was out there looking for. It, it, I think it was just the Bucks three-point attempts career leaders in the top 10 there. And um, you looked at points and you saw, huh, that's like 400, four, like 50 points that he trails Kareem by. <laughs> and he's been on this tear that he's averaging 30 points a game over this stretch. So then you, you kept going through it and coming out of the all-star break, it was, Man, it's it, this is really attainable. And so it's 314 points that he needs to pass him. There's 17 games left. Even if so, I don't, and, and you kind of said it as well. I don't think he's gonna play in all 17 games, but if he did, he just needs to average 18 points a game to do it this year. Even if he plays uh let's say 13 games and misses four of the final 17, which uh, that's probably still being really conservative. Um, even if he did that, it, it's it, it's extremely attainable that it's in all likelihood going to happen this season. And, you know, you just think about everything that he's done throughout his career in these last few years, 24 points, basically, if he played 13 games is what he'd need to average in those 13 games. Um, Kareem was only here for six years, but, you know, I've seen a little bit of, yeah, well, Kareem did it in this amount of years. Kareem's start to his career is unlike any we've really seen outside of, you know, like LeBron James. But even then, it took LeBron a couple years to really get to that level. I mean, what Kareem did in a Bucks uniform, it's just, it's mind-blowing when you dive into the numbers even more that, you know, the last two or three years, there's been so many things that have occurred where it's, Giannis joins Kareem as the only players in Bucks history to do it. In the six years Kareem played in Milwaukee, he averaged over 30 points a game in those six years. So, yes, this is year nine for Giannis, but 
that first year was, you know, a guy that was very raw and really the first three years, I think it was like 2,600 points that he scored total in those three years that it was still a raw project that was coming together. These last six years is where he's really started to put it together. And, you know, you can't hold it against him if, well, Kareem did this in six years when it's just, it's unlike anything we've ever seen, what Kareem did. So these four years really for Giannis, it's remarkable. And I know Miran Fader has done the the complete story on him and, and everything you see in the book that we're reminded of, of, oh yeah, I remember that. And, and our, our, the instance of Giannis running into our old pal Jimmy right outside of Summerfest and the MVP written on the uh, cap of his water bottle and all these little things that we all remember the story of Giannis. But just look at these last four years that, you know, we touched on nobody thought Giannis would be the MVP. Like we thought, hey, this is a guy that we have something in that could be an all-star every year. Then he just kept getting better. These last four years, I mean, it is a Disney movie that he's been a perennial all-NBA player. The Oh, by the way, if he's a consensus, unanimous first-teamer, it's something nobody's ever done before to do it four years in a row. It's going to happen unless somebody is just, (laughs) hey, we're not giving him that honor that other players haven't had. That's the only reason why. Um, But a perennial all-NBA player, the MVP twice, defensive player of the year, all-defensive team, finals MVP, NBA championship, and now he's about to be the franchise's leading scorer. I mean, what an incredible four years that he's put together here. And we should say he's a longtime teammate. Chris Milton is also sneaking up. Now, this is perfect timing. He had 44 points in the game yesterday against Phoenix. But just looking at his numbers as well, because it's funny, if you just purely look at games played, by the end of next season, potentially, again, pending health, they would have to play a lot of games. But Junior Bridgman, I, I think, is 710 games, 711 games. And then you have... Giannis and Chris are, are right there. So both of those guys yeah. are probably going to be you know, maybe by the end of next season or early in the season after that. No one would have played more games for the franchise than these two guys. And that's not I'm not saying that to take away from the records that they're getting. It's just remarkable what we've lived through and watched these guys do and how they've grown together over those years. And to your point, I always was pretty optimistic about what Giannis could be. Clearly, I wasn't this optimistic to think that he would become this player. But I will say, when he averaged six points per game as a rookie, if you told me in 2022 he's passing Kareem for the franchise lead in scoring, I probably uh, would have had to pause on that one a little bit. But Chris Milton, and apologies to our our friend Marcus Johnson, but Chris Milton is going to uh, slide the great Marcus Johnson further down the total points scoring with the franchise. In fact, he's going to be doing a lot of leapfrogging players here in the next sort of few months and and season he's 1296 points behind big dog glenn robinson right now and he's in third on that all-time list behind kareem and behind Giannis. so 1296 points is a season for chris he's he's you know sort of hovers between that sort of 12 to 1400 depends on how many games he will play so again of course you know providing he plays enough game games by the end of next season He's probably going to be in the top three. And then if you give him another season on top of that, there's a chance that he's going to be getting close to Kareem as well. And you're going to, again, be looking at a guy that's the second. I mean, just think about that. Chris Milton, and I know it's more years again, but I think that Chris Milton probably, we hope, is going to eventually pass Kareem as well on the franchise point scoring totals. Again, more years as you pointed to, but it's still just crazy. It's crazy. And as someone who's always been, 
a huge Chris Middleton supporter. It's cool. It's fun to think about. Yeah, more years, but again, uh, Kareem is an alien in, in what he's done. So it's, it's you know, Kareem, LeBron, and Jordan, if you fall short of efficiency against those guys, so what? <laughs> you know, a lot of players have. And, you know, it. I kind of joked, too, that last year a lot of these started to pop up. For Chris, uh, this year we had the three-point uh, pop-up for him, attempts and, and makes. For Giannis, we had the blocks earlier this year. There was a couple other categories. I think it was defensive rebounds last year um, for Giannis in one other one where he became the uh, franchise leader. And you started to say, well, in the next three years, it's going to be, man, Giannis is going to own this and this and this and this. But still, it jumped out at you or it snuck up on you, I should say, of the the points that, that he's going to pass it already this season. I think we all kind of feel that way it would take uh something unforeseen happening not only points this year uh you mentioned games he needs 69 games to pass junior bridgman and 17 games left this season i mean it's it's going to be in the mid 50s at the very least going into next season and throughout his career the fewest games he had played in was 61 last year in a uh, in a 72 game season so he's going to pass him there uh, next year, minutes, he's going to pass Bobby Dandridge in all likelihood next year for most minutes played. And in two years, he's going to pass Kareem for most field goals. So everything at the top for all of these categories, not just offensive, he's going to be the franchise leader there, which is just absolutely remarkable. Assists, too, is is within striking distance of uh, Paul Pressey there. So everything is going to be owned by Giannis. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, yeah, Chris, too that I saw, especially yesterday after it was just incredible what Chris Middleton did. And um, I know you guys already talked about this in the recap of the game, but it's, it's hard to believe, but it's also not that, you know, this was just the fifth time in a regular season game that he scored 40 or more points because we've seen it more frequently the last couple of years. And it seems like whenever the wizards are on the schedule that Chris Middleton has an extra gear that he had a 50 pointer and a 40 pointer against them, uh, but it, it was also funny that the last time he scored 40 points in a game was game four of the finals against that Phoenix Suns team. And, you know, really, it, it started in, what would you say, February, where there was a lot of you know, early on in the season, man, something about Chris just doesn't look right this year. And then he's named an all-star. And you had a lot of people, I think, just upset that Drew didn't get into the all-star game. Like, I'm surprised that Chris got it over Drew. But when you re-examine the numbers, and I think most of us were initially, when you re-examine the numbers from January on, it kind of snuck up on us there too. You know, Chris has actually been really good since January. The numbers since the All-Star break, I know it's a small sample, are just ridiculous in, in what he's doing there. But I think that was one of the things that was missing this season was what we saw in the last two games against the Hawks last year and some moments in that net series and against the Suns, too, where Giannis was either gone or you just needed something else. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday came up big. This was a big moment that it's a very winnable game against the Suns. You want to keep a win streak going and, and you want to start to stack these wins and play better going into the playoffs. And Giannis just didn't have it in the second half. Foul trouble was part of it, but started seven for seven. And I think he finished one of three the rest or one of six the rest of the way you needed the other guys to take over. And it was very reminiscent of games five and six against the Hawks where Chris Middleton just said, all right, I got this from here. So 
you know, I, I saw a lot of a couple of people joking of, well, Giannis is going to have his jersey retired. Chris is too, but we really need to build a statue for Chris Middleton outside of Fiserv Forum. And I mean, he he deserves it when you think about. You mentioned, well, he's he's been polarizing, especially early in his career with fans, but he has quietly and steadily been one of the most consistent players, certainly in Bucks franchise history. But in the last what four years, he has really quietly, under the radar, been one of the most consistent players in all of the league. And it's something that a lot of his fan base even forgets or doesn't acknowledge. Justin, in the last three weeks, I have had multiple people that either tweeted at me or have seen them tweet it in a 100% serious fashion say that Chris Milton is not good enough to be a number two on a title contender. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I, I I don't understand. Yes, the January numbers were uh, sorry. The February numbers were down a little bit. Fifty four percent true shooting, and his percentages suffered, particularly the three. And it's just really rare for him. I mean, if you look even across the course of the season, even December, when you looked at it, he was still getting you twenty points per game in December, but he didn't feel like he was in in top gear. But he was still forty percent from three uh, for the month of December. Then he was forty three percent in January when he averaged twenty two points. Six and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. He had a great January, which was, as you pointed to, the push for the All-Star. And then in February, he was down to 27% from three, which, you know, I mean, that's that's not Chris Milton. He had a rough month. Perhaps the fatigue started to set in. Perhaps he really did need uh, that All-Star break here because so far it's only three games in March, but and the 44 points helps, of course. But he's getting you 30 points a night, six rebounds, five assists, 47%. Uh, from the three-point line, and his true shooting percentage is back uh, well above 60 after dipping to 54 there in February. So, yeah, we we discussed it. He's had as little break as anyone, along with Drew. It's fair to say Drew's had his moments so far this season where he hasn't looked at his best, uh, but maybe these guys did need a week off, uh, which they obviously got through the All-Star break, which would have meant something. Before you jump in, if Chris Middleton has another cold streak... I would bet that there will be someone out there willing to say that Chris Milton can't be a number two on a championship team, which reminds me of betting and our friends at betonline.net. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next five coaches going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best place to go for all your scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. You can get hockey, boxing, UFC, soccer, Whatever it is, you can get it at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Should also mention the Locked On Now podcast. You can check that out daily. Uh, It's a perfect way to recap uh, the night before and everything that's happened across the NBA from all the local hosts across the network. So check out the Locked On Now podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, just to follow up the fatigue stuff, uh, because even after last night's game, Justin, I had a few people that in the YouTube comments and, and some people on Twitter that were saying, well, yeah, sure, the Bucks won, but you know, they shouldn't have needed it to be that close. And the reason why it was so close was because you know, Chris Milton and Drew Holiday need to sharpen up. They need to stop with the turnovers. And some of the turnovers have been baffling, honestly. Some of them are, are real head scratches. Uh, so I just thought those two guys, I mean, Chris Milton, we've been watching for long enough. He can be prone to turnovers at times. 
His turnover rate of 13.8% this year is up from 12.6 last year. But Drew Holiday's is also up from 11.5 last year to 13.2. So they are turning the ball over a little bit more. Again, I don't know whether it is just that mental sharpness sometimes in games, whether it is fatigue. I'm not 100% sure. But in a perfect world, and I would hope that come playoff time when you're completely locked in, when, when there's no other distractions other than other than a playoff series, they might be able to tighten that up. But ultimately, I don't think, you know, even without Chris Paul and without Devin Booker, this is a Phoenix team that's beaten everyone's ass. So, I, you know, we should respect the way that they're playing uh, this regular season as well. But in a perfect world, sure. Cut, cut down the turnovers. That would be fantastic. Yeah, it's... Um... It's it's a it's a really good Phoenix team, obviously. I mean, says the guy that uh, notices the Suns have fifty wins this season, no other team does. Yeah, I mean, but um, yeah, I mean, even Bud tried to to caution uh, against it in the pregame yesterday when it was a, a lot of questions, which you could tell he was at the very least perturbed with about, hey, it's a finals rematch, and doesn't mean anything to have this team back in the building. And uh, quick to point out, well, there's no Chris Paul or Devin Booker, and it's a regular season game. But it, as he he went out of his way to say, this is a really good team, regardless of who plays. They maximize their skill sets, regardless of who's on the floor. They execute. I mean, they've they've been ridiculously good in the clutch, which makes yesterday even more impressive. I, I don't care that Chris Paul and Devin Booker weren't playing. Everybody on Phoenix has been remarkable in clutch situations this year. They've been like a video game. So to to play well in an area where you haven't gotten a ton of reps up until this last week and beat the team that far and away has been the best uh, really says something. And, you know, even in their first game, I know the Blazers aren't a good team, but their first game without that duo, they won by 30 points. They came back to beat the Knicks. I know not a good team, but they came back without that duo to win. So it's still a really good team that um, it, it says something to win that game. And, and the turnovers thing, look, I get it. And a lot of the turnovers we've seen are those mental lapse var- variety where it's, you know, you can see it coming. It, it's like a, a car crash in slow motion, especially with Drew and Chris, where you can see don't dribble into the tra- – up oh, there it is, and it's it's turned over, or a lazy pass – but I will say um, with with Drew Holiday especially, and we saw it uh, yesterday or, or Sunday in the game against the Suns, you know, those turnovers, they seem to occur early. But in the second half and in those clutch situations, they really turn it on. And, um, you know, for Drew, he finished the game against the Suns, I think, with four turnovers. But three of them came in the first quarter. So, We've seen that kind of the trend for him, that he cleans things up big time as the game goes on. And, you know, if you look at him and um, and Chris, it's kind of the same story where a majority of their turnovers come in the first half. And as you play in those tighter spots, they clean it up. So I don't know if it's just a matter of, OK, you got to get this this schedule out of the way and get some of these opponents to where this team is really locked in and focused and getting ready for the postseason. And then we see all of these things start to click. I don't know if that's it or what, but I get the complaints and the criticisms of why are there so many turnovers? And especially with Drew, where you'll see he goes a stretch of, you know, three or four straight games where he has maybe five total turnovers. And then all of a sudden he has back-to-back games with 15 turnovers. So that's the most frustrating part of his game. But 
you know, it's the same thing that I think most of us have all kind of said about the Eastern Conference as a whole in that I trust all three of these guys. You know, I trust Drew Holiday in the clutch. We, we saw it against the Suns with him and and uh, Chris, and we've seen it countless times, obviously, in the playoffs. And the, the turnovers are in there as well, that I've seen each of these three guys do it when it matters most. And you can't say that 100% for the rest of the teams up there in the top of the Eastern Conference. All right, let's look at this third quarter stuff because this kind of ties in to the turnover stuff, the the sometimes appearing to be some lazy play, however you want to describe it. I went through and just looked at the numbers and we've gone into it and we all know watching the game. You don't need to look at the advanced numbers to understand that the Bucks have had some troubles in the third quarter, okay? It but passes the eyeball test. <laughs> it's exactly damn right. But when you look at the numbers, it is kind of like, holy shit, it's it's yeah. that bad? That That is kind of crazy. So... Quarter by quarter, I'll quickly run through this. So quarter one, in the first quarter of this season, the Bucks are fifth in offense, fourth in defense, first in net rating for the first quarter. The best first quarter team in the league. Second quarter, fourth in offense, sixth in defense, second in net rating. So as far as first half goes, the Bucks are the best first half team in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Fourth quarter, they're 13th in offense, 13th in defense, 11th in net rating. Not ideal, but I mean... If you if you are the best first half team in the league, you should be able to withstand one mediocre quarter, one average quarter, or do you? But that's until you get to the third quarter, and this is when it gets a little bit problematic. So in the third quarter, they're thirteenth in offense, which not great. They're dead last in defense, dead last, and twenty fourth in net rating. So uh, by quarter by quarter, net rating ten of plus ten in the first quarter, plus eight point three in the second, minus five point three in the third and then positive uh, 1.6 in the fourth quarter. So it's been disastrous. And it's interesting because if you look at the numbers across the board, points off turnovers, it's not a huge issue. Points in the paint, it's kind of like middle of the pack. Offensive rebounds, middle of the pack. So it's it's not those numbers. Even free throw attempts is middle of the pack. But teams are just really shooting the ball well. And the Bucs uh, are giving up 37% or opposition is shooting 37% from three, which is 24th in the league for third quarters, and then uh, the overall field goal percentage is up at 48, which is 27th in the league. So teams are just putting up points. Uh, You can go back and you can come to your own conclusions defensively why you think that might be the case. But overall, it seems seems very fixable to me. I mean, if that's your problem in the third quarter coming out of halftime, a bit lazy on defense, perhaps not totally switched on. And as Frank mentioned it, we saw it a little bit in the Bulls game. The Bucs were pretty good in this Phoenix game. They didn't allow. That was the moment where the Bucs could have lost against Phoenix. They were able to just hang around, hang around for long enough and then make the run late. But yeah, it's just interesting looking at these numbers. The third quarters have been disastrous. And it's strange. It's strange that that's, uh, that's the one quarter consistently. Yeah. Um, I looked at this. Oh, what game was that? It was sometime last week. And uh, I don't have the numbers with me, but I, I remember going through it and um, looking at where the Bucks were, and at the time I looked it up, they were uh, they were 25th in net rating for the third quarter, and I think it was a negative minus 6.4 or something. So they've gotten a little bit better in the last oh, week. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I looked at the last 25 years, and um, well, first of all, yes, it's it's not great, but part of me does wonder if 
you know, are, are we just like the old adage with statistics, you can find a stat to tell any story. Is that what we're doing with this? That fourth quarter, you, you would much rather see it, the numbers that you, you just referenced in the first and second quarter, but is, is the half total what we should look at? Is the fourth quarter more important than the third quarter? You shouldn't want a 24th or 25th rating in any quarter. I will grant you that. But part of me wonders, okay, in the grand scheme of things, how important is this? That being said, I looked at the last 25 years, and for the third quarter specifically, in the last 25 years, there have only been five teams that have made the playoffs that had uh, that were 25th or worse in uh, net rating in that quarter. So only five teams in 25 years, and none of the teams were great. They were all just above 500. There's only one team out of those five that even made it out of the first round of the playoffs, and that was the Cavs, I think, in 2008, which, oh, by the way, they had LeBron, so that made for a lot of it. So it's not great company to be in, especially for this year when you look at the teams down there with the Bucks. There's no other teams, which I think is is what causes a lot of that concern is, you know, some of these stats you can point to and say, man, this really, really isn't good. But then when you look at the list, you see, well, you know, this team is in there or the Jazz are in there, too. So, all right, I guess there's a couple of teams that just don't do this well. There is literally no one in that class with the Bucks in this quarter. So that's a concern. But, um, you know, it's it's still a long ways to go. But in the last week we have seen some improvement there and and i guess the fool's gold is it felt like we started to see that improvement a couple of weeks ago and then it just jumped right back at us the numbers that you read off frankly i'm more surprised that their second quarter rating is as good as as you you mentioned there because it seems like third quarter has been disastrous but when they do figure things out and play pretty well in the third quarter the second quarter's kind of been the backup issue that they've had, and we've seen it even recently where a couple of games it was the second quarter that was the problem, and then they slowly started to climb the hill in the second half. Well, it's interesting because when you say, because a lot of people will point out and say, well, over the course of four quarters, you're going to have a bad quarter, and you know, generally, of course, I would agree, particularly when you're playing fellow contenders, there's no doubt. When you're in the postseason, we saw it all last year. Teams are going to go on a run, so that's totally fine. I, I guess my question would be, if it's always the third quarter, like if, if, if it's the third quarter that is a, is specifically the problem, which it has been for this team, it's just a little more strange than anything. Like I agree, teams will go on a run, but uh, the fact that it's always the third quarter is strange, particularly because the third they're quarter... Coming out of halftime. Well, they're coming out of halftime and you've got your starters on the floor. So, mm-hmm. I, so I know that players have missed games, for instance, but I just thought that I would, I would look this up. And maybe there's some more digging to do in terms of how they've looked in third quarters when all their three stars have been playing. Because if you just look at it at minutes per third quarter, Drew Holiday is averaging 9.2, Giannis is averaging 8.6, and Chris 8.5. And typically with that rotation, that is you're going to have certainly in the third quarter, your starters will most of the time with Bud play big minutes. So when you look at that and you say, okay, well, those guys have all played over 50 games this year and played eight and a half plus minutes. It's like, okay, well, why is the third quarter so strange? But equally, that makes me sit back and say, well, I trust those three guys. So maybe it doesn't really matter. We'll see if they can tighten it up over the last couple of weeks of the season. But uh, don't forget to check out the Locked On NBA podcast as well, the uh, national show across the network there. I'm on there occasionally, but they'll be talking all things NBA Monday to Friday. So you can check that out. And the Bucks have the Thunder 
coming up here. Now, I don't think we need to do a, a big deep dive on this one, uh, Justin, but just a quick injury update. The latest injury report came out about an hour ago as we're recording this. So Grayson Allen is out with left hip soreness. This has been bothering him a little bit. Uh, I suspect this close to the postseason, it's going to be a management thing that makes sense in this game. You would like to think the Bucks can handle uh, the Thunder without Grayson Allen. We'll see. No Pat Conan and still, obviously, or George Hill or Brooke Lopez. Wes Matthews not on the injury report, though, which is a good sign with that hamstring. So you could probably expect him to play at this stage. But as far as the Thunder go, Lou Dort is out. Derek Favors is out. My guy, Josh Giddy is out. Ty Jerome is out. Mike Mascala is out. Uh, Jeremiah Earl, uh, Robertson Earl, he's Robinson out. Earl, yeah. He's out. I mean, it's basically, if you can name a Cambridge Williams, Thunder. Isaiah Roby. Okay, I'm done. Carry on. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> going to say, if, if you can name a player on the Thunder, He's out. So just, just uh, that's what you have in store for you. And um, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. These two games, to me, as crazy as it sounds to say, these are big games against the Thunder and the Hawks because uh, of what we talked about. Where well, it seems like this team gets up better for the good teams, and it's the other games that you know we we saw it happen a handful of times last year. There was a really bad loss to the Rockets late in the season, the the back-to-back brutal losses to the um, what the uh, the Pelicans and the Hornets in January. They've had a handful of these. But um, this year, like now, with the schedule that we touched on in March, it's going to be tough. There's, there's not a whole lot of gimmies out there. So this game especially, you absolutely have to win this game with the injury report for the Thunder – and the fact that there's more difficult games on the horizon for you, you know, I don't think the Bucks are in danger of the play-in tournament at this point, which it's hard to believe a week ago that was even a part of the conversation. But still, you don't want to get back in the habit of, man, the Bucks had a great week. And then they follow up with losing to the Thunder. So now you got to make it more difficult for yourself and peel off some wins over the weekend against teams like the Warriors and the Jazz, which has basically been impossible for the Bucs to go on the road and win there. So that game, and again, a sub-500 team in the Hawks, who will be motivated, and it's going to be game two, game night two of a back-to-back for you. But we've seen Atlanta have some really brutal losses lately, including tonight to the Pistons. So these two games, to me, will tell me how locked in this team is. If we see you know, one of those horrendous third quarters, or we see a couple of really bad quarters, then you kind of groan and think, oh, man, I thought they were really turning the corner, but still some work to be done. Not saying they're all the way back if they come out and blow out the thunder and beat the Hawks. But to me, it, it goes a long way in restoring some of that confidence and saying, man, this this looks like a totally different team this month. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think, as you sort of pointed to, I think the one thing with this team is that generally, and this is why I look forward to the big games. I mean, of course, everyone looks forward to the big games, but generally... Uh, they've proven across the course of the season they've played a little bit better. They haven't had too many stinkers in big games, as far as I can remember anyway. So uh, we'll see. They're just going to go and try and get through this game against the Thunder. Starts at 7 p.m. The Bucks uh, can try and solidify themselves in that uh, top three in the East and try and keep up with Philadelphia and Miami. They're three and a half games back of Miami right now, but half a game back of Philadelphia, uh, albeit they've played a couple of extra games or one extra game. Um, so we'll see. This race is going to get interesting down the stretch. Uh, we'll be back for post-game Locked On Bucks after this game against the Thunder. So make sure you check in there wherever you listen to us. But for now, for Justin, for myself, take it easy. Let's hope we have a winning podcast tomorrow night.